0: It's so good to be here today. I'm excited about being here. I hope you're excited. How many of you want some of the Word of God today? I was walking in the airport in um, Pittsburgh. I had a quick flight Sunday afternoon. Had to get to Florida. Preached. Ran to the airport. Big open area. When you walk into the airport, saw a friend from the gym. His name's Scott. I knew he worked there. I says, "Hey, Scott, how you doing?" He said, "Rev." I don't know what a rev is, but I said, "Scott." And we say some pleasantries we're talking. Scott, how you doing? You're working today? Yeah, I got to catch a flight. We you know, did the whole thing. I go, I go Scott, I got to get going, man. It's good to see you. I'll see you next week. I'm moving away right in the entryway. People in and out. It's crazy right now. I look at him, and he goes, Rev, it's so good to see you with clothes on. <laughs> Do you ever see the commercial, Want to Get Away? And I go, Yeah. He goes, I'm so used to seeing you naked. And everybody stops (laughs) and looks. And I said, you too. (laughs) And I just, there's nothing to say. I just said, I'm going to go get my flight and walked on. See, I know Scott from the gym. And so in context, it kind of made sense. But you need context to make sense of things. And what I want to help you do today is give you context to what God's doing in your life. Because the universal question we all have is, what is God doing? And if we could figure out what God's doing and get in line with him, everything would be good, right? Come on, it's just so awesome to be here. I want to let you know that your pastor, Pastor Keith and Kelly, are are heroes um, we love them very much. My wife Natalie and I are here, and uh, only three people we're having minister in our church this year from outside the church. He's one of them because he's such a man of God. He hears God, and I'm telling you, you guys are spoiled, y'all spoiled. I'm telling you that right now. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Go visit other places. You'll know what I'm talking about. Um, he's a man of God. Hears God. Delivers. I am gleaning, stealing everything you're doing here. I'm going to take it back, and I'm going to be smart when I get home. That's how it works. So I'm real excited. We have. Um, we have uh, five, five kids, and uh, I don't know if you have the pick of them. Um, they really are cool kids. They really do exist. There they are, and um, there they are, and uh, the crazy five kids. Our last, our baby, just graduated high school, and so we're entering a different stage of life. Um, we don't have to go home and cook dinner all the time, so we eat ice cream a lot for dinner. <laughs> we're liking it. Come on. I'm telling you. I'm just liking it. Uh, how many of y'all parents know what I'm talking about there? Yeah, we're in the ice cream stage. Yeah. And our middle one, Christina, with the key around her neck, she's willing to missions. Actually, she's in Haiti ministering today. She's been all over the world. She continues to do missions. Um, it's typical on a Friday night, she'll say, "I'm um, we'll say, hey, Chris, what's going on this weekend? And she'll say on a Friday, oh, yeah, Saturday morning, I'm going to hang out with the prostitutes. That's just normal in my home. And uh, there's a ministry in, our, in Pittsburgh that ministers to prostitutes. They go out and pick them up, bring them back, give them a shower, clean them up, food give them everything they need, and that's what she does. That's just normal Christianity where we are. It hit me one day. I said, Chris, what do, you, what do you do with these girls? He said, well, we go out and pick them up and put them in a car and bring them back. And then it hit me. She uses my car. Now, I'm not against it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not against people getting in my car like that. But I said, Chris, whose car do you use? And it got real quiet, and I knew the answer to the question. And when I, the reason I'm telling you that is if you ever hear that a pastor in Pittsburgh is picking up prostitutes in his car, make sure you find out who was driving the car because context is everything. There we go. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about heroes today. And before I get to the heroes, and I believe I'm in a room full of heroes, look to your neighbor and say, You're a hero. Some of you, that took great faith to say those words. They said, I don't see it right now, but then great faith, you are a hero. We were on um, vacation in a small little town in Pennsylvania. They have a double-A baseball team called the Altoona Curve. Double-A, they're si- single-A, double-A, triple-A big leagues, and you make it to the major leagues. They had a double-A team reading a paper on Sunday morning. They asked the manager of this double-A baseball team, they said, how does a player go from double-A to triple-A? That was the question. How do they do that? And he had an interesting question. He says, number one, they have to go through a slump. That means they have their hitting has to tank. They have to make errors. They have to go through a slump and come out of it. How they get out of it is two, two ways. One is, is they have to listen to the voices around them. They have to learn. See, anybody can get to double-A baseball based on your own Ability And there's people in church that you've come to church and you've gotten to a level based on your own ability, but you're going to stay there until you learn to do these two things. Learn to hear the voices around you and do the little things well. And if we will learn how to do the little things, listen to the voices and learn to do the little things well, we're going to go go to another level in Christ. How many of you all would like to go to another level in Christ today? That's what I want to do. You know, most of us struggle with this thing called the love of God. Does God really love me? How many of you ever struggled with that? How many of you all struggled with it this morning? Come on, does God really love me? Does he know my name? Does he even know where I am? That's what most of us are struggling with. We have the wrong struggle. Really, that's a done deal. God knows your name. He knows where you live. He brought you here today. What we're really struggling with is faith. We're struggling with is God pleased with me. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says it's impossible to please God without faith because he who comes to God must believe he is and that he will reward those who diligently seek him. So if we want to be pleasing to God, what really we're struggling with is faith. And faith is all about pleasing God. Faith comes down to this. Faith comes down to he is and he will. Everybody say "He he is and he will. There it is right there. That's how you become pleasing to God. And so the heroes of the faith are much like you and I. They're ordinary, everyday people that God puts his extra on their ordinary. He puts his super on their natural, and he does something with ordinary people. Am I in the right place today? And so I want to take a snapshot and look at this man named Moses. How many of you ever heard of Moses in the Old Testament? Okay, Big Mo. Big Mo. Had a wife named Zippi Zipporah. Zipporah and Big Mo. Now, we, we, we read about Moses in, in the book of Exodus in, in, in the Bible. Out of all the books in the Bible, there's more miracles recorded in Exodus than any other book of the Bible. It's mainly about Moses. and so mainly about what he did. And what we learn about him is he was a hero of the faith. Heroes of the faith have two common denominators. They believe God that he is, and they believe God he will. And if you want to be a hero of the faith, those are the two things that we're going to need, just like Moses. Now, it's easy to come to church like this, and we look around, and we look at the people to our left and our right and our front and our back. We look at all these holy people up here. And man, the worship team was rocking. I just loved it this morning. I love the presence of God. You guys are spoiled. And 12 of you are clapping when everybody should be at least throwing up something right about now. Come on. Come on, you're spoiled. Take it for granted. That's better. Yeah. So Moses, we look around and we think everybody's perfect. Don't you think everybody else has a perfect life? They have the perfect little kids? Don't you ever pull up behind a stoplight and you, you, you get behind a minivan? In that little minivan with all the stick people on the back, do you ever know the minivans I'm talking about? And there's the mommy and the daddy and the three little perfect kids with the little perfect doggy and kitty. Do you ever see what I'm talking about those little stick people? Don't you just want to rip those people right off the back of their minivan? <laughs> Come on, so you pull up there, you're having, you're having a bad day, you look, like, I don't want to rip that off. And, if they, and I'm telling you, if this light goes another time, I'm going to ram them right in the back of them right now because those little stick people are irritating me. Because they look so perfect, right? <laughs> and so, let's say, am I right? There's a little cousin. They ain't anything but perfect. <laughs> Just like some of you. <laughs> look around. We look around, we think everybody it perfect. Everybody's perfect. Everybody has it all together. They're the heroes of the faith. God always speaks to somebody else. As soon as you think you're going to get yourself a word from heaven, somebody cuts in line. Same person gets the same word four years in a row. You can't get one. Am I right? Yeah, come on. Well, Moses was anything but perfect. Let's take a little snapshot of his life before we get to the holy part. Here it is. Number one, Moses was dysfunctional. Came from a dysfunctional family. Who didn't come from a dysfunctional family? I put the fun in dysfunctional. Looked at my daughter just recently. She's, uh, She's 20 years old. I says, baby, you got one more year to blame me and your mother for all your problems. I said, but when you hit 21, it's over. It's all your fault now. I says, enjoy the year, baby. Our 25-year-old says, "Ah, he's right, Chris. He is right. Mm -hmm. No, and Moses came from a dysfunctional family, before he was even born, there was a decree by the most powerful ruler of the world to destroy and kill him. There was a decree on everybody's life right here to kill and destroy your life. But God, everybody say, but God. But God came and he delivered you and he made a way of escape by faith. God's not moved by your need. He's moved by faith. Faith is the currency of heaven. God expects it. He demands it. He rewards it. That's That's what pleases him. He's not pleased by this. He's pleased by faith. Faith will cause you to do that. But we don't do that to try to earn God's favor. We do that because we have faith that he's a God who he will. He is. So he came from a dysfunctional past. How many of y'all came from a dysfunctional home? The rest of you are liars. <laughs> Number two, he was raised in an ungodly situation. He wasn't raised in the things of God. He was raised in an Egyptian home. Five years old till his mother. Then he ran onto to Pharaoh's daughter. And he lived in a palace. she raised him ungodly atmosphere. How many of you were raised in an ungodly atmosphere? How many of you were raised with an ungodly education? Okay. Next was he killed an Egyptian. He killed somebody. Major failure. How many of you have had failure in your life? See, every time you go through failure, every time you go through a slump, God is setting you up to go to another level. See, context is everything. You see a slump, God says another, God sees another level. So you guys see that. See, every time you go through a slump, God's setting you up. So he was a failure. God's not, God's not ruled by your brokenness. He's not ruled by your failure. He's ruled by who he is. That's what faith really is. Next thing is, is Mo, Big Mo goes 40 years in the backside of the desert taking care of the woolies. Taking care of sheep, taking care of his fa- father-in-law's sheep. That's all he does is take care of sheep 40 years. Backside of the desert, he's grinding it out. He's working. He's putting a little bit of money in his IRA, counting the time until he can retire. He got himself a couple kids, a wife, Zippy's a poor, is making him dinner at home. Making him some fried catfish and cornbread. That's what she's doing right now. He's just grinding it out, minding his own business. Moses is an introvert. How many, where's all my introverts in the crowd? Wow, you raised your hand. Most of the time you wouldn't dare raise your hand. I'm an introvert. I don't want anybody to look at me. So all the extroverts point to all the introverts. Oh, yeah, now you really did it. Now you really got them upset. God is not ruled by your personality. God's not looking for a personality type. He's looking for a spiritual people. So the five things that we see here is this. Is, is it, God's not ruled by your dysfunction. He's not ruled by your ungodly past. He's not ruled by your failure. He's not ruled by leaving you 40 years in the backside of the desert. He's not ruled by your personality. Who qualifies to be a hero right about now? See, God has been setting you up this whole time. God has been setting you up for a turning point in your life. Stop looking at your past. Stop looking at those things, and let's look to God. Let's pick it up now. Let's jump into Exodus chapter 3. It's about to get good nudge your neighbor say it's about to get good. Okay Some don't fall asleep. Okay? We all still good? I'm having fun. So Exodus chapter 3, Moses is minding his own business. He's grinding it out 40 hours a week, doing what he does. How many of you guys out there can relate to that? You're just grinding it out, trying to make a living, trying to, you know, trying to get the bills paid, trying to do all these things. God's not ruled by your lack either. Just remember that. God's not ruled by what you don't have. He's ruled by faith. I love the exhortation about giving today. Look, I tell people all the time. People come to me and say, Pastor, I don't have enough. I said, well, who does? Right? People come to me and say, they bring me their finances. I mean, they're jacked up. They don't have near enough. They are so far behind, they'll never get ahead. I said, well, you might as well go ahead and give 10% to God because you are done on your own. God's like the only hope you got right about now. No, I'm serious. When you get to the bottom of you, you get to the end of you, you might as well just go ahead and give it all to God. See, most Christians go their whole entire life and never get to the point where they live by faith and know what it's like to give it all away. I know what it's like to give it all away. I feel bad for people that never get to that point where they ain't got nothing but God. The problem is, in America, we got too much. Amen. And this is the way God interrupts us right here. Verse one, chapter three, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, priest of Midian. He led the flock to the back of the desert, came to Horeb, the mountain of God. You, well, can I ask you a question? Why did you come here today? Did you come to the mountain of God? Did you come? Like, see, you don't come to a church like this because you want three easy steps. Because there are no three easy steps with God. You came here today. Many of you have come. You came once and something got ignited on the inside of you. There's something churning on the inside of you that you want more. Am I at the right place today? See, you don't come. listen to me. You don't come back to a church like this because you want it easy. God didn't save you to give you your best life now. My best life's coming when I get to heaven. I'm going to stop living and saving up for my last 10 years on earth. I'm living for the first 10,000 of eternity. That's what I'm living for. See, we're looking now, and I'm not living for now. We came here because we need a word from heaven. We came here to the mountain of God today. I didn't come to get a cool teaching. I didn't come here to impress you. Because quite frankly, there's a lot better preachers than I am. You can, get, you can log on the internet and get that. I came here for a joint experience with God today. I came to the mountain of God. And in verse 2, the angel of the Lord. Some people say it was Jesus. Some people say it was an angel. I don't know. When an angel shows up, I don't ask for ID. I just say, yes, angel. <laughs> Listen, when angels show up, you don't say, excuse me, do you have an idea of identification? No, an angel shows up, you say, okay. Most, most of the time, the first thing the angels say is, don't fear. Mm-hmm. You've got to go home and change your pants after you see an angel. That's about it. I'm moving on. My wife said, hmm And so angel person shows up in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. He looked and beheld the bush was burning with fire and the bush was not consumed. Moses said, "I will, I will now turn. Aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. He's going, see, burning bush is no big deal in the desert. Bushes are on fire all the time. This one was on fire, and it wasn't burning. So he turned aside to look. And God has burning bush moments in our life all the time. God has a burning bush moment right now in your life. This is a burning bush moment. You have them early in the morning. I have mine early in the morning. I'm telling you, when you get around a burning bush moment, how do you know you have one? Have you ever been around a campfire, fire pit? Have you ever been to a campfire? Has you ever noticed the smell of smoke gets on your clothes? Yeah. Gets in your hair? You know what I'm talking about? It gets everywhere. And you can't shake it. You go to Walmart and everybody's going, where have you been? You've been around a fire. You need to go and take a bath. See, when you get around a burning bush moment with God, it gets on your clothes. It gets in your hair. It gets in your eyes. It gets on you. You can't shake it. See, I had me a couple burning bush moments with God. God challenges me in the morning. Rick, you don't have faith. I'm about to take you, and I'm about to accelerate you. That's a burning bush moment. I got it on my clothes. I got it in my hair. I got it in my eyes. I can't shake it. When I was 15 years old, I had a moment with God where all I knew was God was big and I was little. That was my prayer. God, you're big. I'm little. I said that before veggie tails were cool. I says, God, you're big and I'm little, and if if you'll take me, I will serve you all the days of my life. That was my prayer with God. I says, God, I'm yours. I just knew he was a big, awesome God. I had a burning bush moment. God said, I want you to go back to your high school and witness to everybody on the football team. I'm like, you couldn't pick the volleyball team? (laughs) You couldn't pick the badminton team, the chess club. You couldn't pick any of those, God. You got to go football on me. God says, yeah, so I did it. I was obedient. I went back and shared Jesus with every single one of those guys because I just knew him. I loved him, and I wanted to do everything possible to please my God because I was bound for hell. He saved me. I was a good person, didn't do drugs, didn't do alcohol. I was a relatively good person. Um, You know, I I was going to be a really good person in hell. But something happened. I got something on my clothes. I got something in my eyes. I got something in my hair. I got me a burning bush experience that won't let go. And here I am all these years later, and it's still burning. It's still burning. Oh, no, 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 it's still burning. Forty-some years later, I'm burning for Jesus. Are you with me? Come on, man. It, It doesn't get any better than that. So Moses said, i got to turn aside and look at this. And so let's look at verse 4. In verse 4, so when the Lord saw that he turned aside, do you know what God's waiting? He's waiting for you to turn aside and look at the bush. He's waiting for you to turn aside and look at what he's doing. Because when he saw that Moses turned and looked, then he began to speak. And the reason some of us here today are, are waiting for God to do something is because these burning bush moments are happening. We're going, huh, and keep right on going. Every Sunday morning, there's a burning bush moment. You're going to stop and take a look and grab a hold of the word, or we're just going to keep right on going our own way. There's burning bush moments in the early times with God. There's burning bush moments in connection group, or small group, I'm sorry, I'm in my context, small groups in connection class. Do you know why God wants you there? He doesn't need anything from you. He has something for you. He has a next step for you. So we wanted to get you to connection class. We want you to be connected to the purposes of God. We want you in group. Some of you have said, I could never lead a group. And if you keep up with that attitude, you'll never lead a group. That's right. But if you say, my God, what do you want for me? Yeah, that's right. Have you asked Jesus what he thinks? Yeah. I know what you think. I'll never lead a group. <laughs> no, ask Jesus what he thinks. See, most of us lead with a no rather than a Yes. Every mission trip that's offered in this church, I want you to start signing up for every one of them. No, I want you to go until God says no. Oh, there's reasons he doesn't want you to go. No, I'm serious. There's reasons he doesn't want some of you to go. So about 90% of you will say, nope, I'm not going. And that's God. But the problem is, is most people won't even ask the question. God, what do you want? See, God began to speak when Moses turned and looked and beheld. And God's waiting. Will you look and behold what he's doing? Will you look to him? Some of you who visited last week or the week before, something began to turn in you. You don't even know why you came back today. You just something happens when I'm there. This isn't just the best um, two hours of your week. Listen, we are all about changing your Monday through Saturday. And this church isn't about just making your best day Sunday. It's a, it's a good two hours, but we're going to change your Monday through Saturday. Because when you leave here, something gets on your clothes. Right? Can't shake liberty. Oh my God, liberty's on. Oh my Lord, something's on me. You're going to get to school and I go, oh yeah, you go to that church. Mm-hmm. I can smell liberty. I can smell Jesus on you. Mm, there's an aroma on you. Mm, can't shake it. Come on, we look and we behold. We grab a hold of him. And so here we go. He turned. God called to him from the midst of the bush, saying, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. You know what God's waiting for you to say? It's, here I am. Here I am, I'm going to connection class. Here I am, I'm going to start being a giver. Jesus was a giver, I'm a giver. He says, I can't please God without faith, I might as well just go ahead and start pleasing God by faith. I'm jumping beyond myself. Today's the day, I'm going to start being a tither, I'm going to move the decimal, $10 on every hundred, 10 cents on every dollar, a dollar on every 10. That's the way we live. Baby, this is what we're going to do now. Come on, if you don't have fear, you'll ne- if you don't have fear, you'll never need faith. I'm saying, if you don't have fear, you never need faith. And most people get fear and they run the other direction. <gasps> no, no. When you have fear, that means you need faith. And if you don't have fear, you're probably doing stuff that you're only doing on your own. And most people in Jesus' church are only doing things that they do on their own. We never, we, we're, we're praying God out of our lives. We're praying the problems out of our lives. We're praying, God, if you don't give me more money, if you don't give me a better job. If you don't want to change my spouse. <laughs> oh, no, don't be meddling, Pastor. No, see, that's what we pray. If you only give me a spouse, right? I want a new car. God says, wash the one you got. On. I want a new spouse. And God's about to answer her prayer and give her one because he's going to change you from the inside out. Are you with me? <laughs> I'm having fun. <laughs> I just believe it's the word of the Lord for you. Though. You determine if it's a word from the Lord. Everybody who comes, from, comes to church, you get a striped shirt and a whistle. Everybody becomes a referee when they come to church. You determine if it's God's word or not. And so Moses said, here I am. And then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. He says, I am the Lord your God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He had a moment with God where he kicked off his shoes, his nice white shoes. When's the last time you had a moment with God that demanded you take off your shoes and you hide your face? When's the last time you got alone with him, just you and him in the early morning? People say, Pastor, why do you get up early in the morning and pray to Jesus? I said, because I want to get to him before he has to listen to all your stuff. <laughs> I want to let you know I'm an hour ahead. So if you want to beat me, you've got to get up at 3. I'm just telling you right now. No, no when the last time you just had a holy moment and you just took off your shoes and you said, oh God, this is holy? No, there's holy moments going on all around us. There's holy moments in worship today. There's holy moments. We miss them. We don't turn. We don't look. Because we become acknowledgers, but not followers. We acknowledge God. We become professional acknowledgers. There's people in this room right now. You've acknowledged God. You've acknowledged the cross. But you're not a follower of Jesus Christ. God didn't send his only son, Jesus, to die the most brutal death. To die for you and shed his blood and hung naked on a tree for you, so you could acknowledge him. He did it so we would become followers. And we want followers to have it all easy. Let me tell you this, have you read the Bible? It seems to me everybody who followed Jesus got whacked. No, I'm serious, read it. Only one didn't get whacked. They put him on an island by himself till he died. Oh, that's much better. No, I'm serious, we say following Jesus, but when's the last time we just had fear and awe of him? Where, God, I just want to be a follower of you, I don't want to acknowledge you. And most of us come to church and we treat it like the average 10-year-old treats a shower. Goes in and puts the water on, and leaves it on and rubs his hands in it. Turns it off and says, yeah, mom, I got a shower. No, he acknowledged the water was on, but he didn't get in it. And that's what the average person does in church. The the spigot of heaven is open. It's pouring. His presence is here. We go, oh, yeah, I got some water. Oh, yeah, I'm clean now. (laughs) No, you're still stinking. It ain't the fire of God. No, you got to get into the fire. you got to jump in. Get into connection class. Get yourself to a group. Get yourself some foundation. I can understand the word of God we got to shake off that dysfunction, shake off the failure, shake off all those things. I'm on holy ground right about now. That's what I'm on right now. I'm on holy ground. That's where I am. This is a holy place. And if God can't mess up my Monday through Saturday with his word, then he must be pretty small. God, here I am, Come. And so he said, moreover, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Let me just tell you, all you younger people here in your 20s, where's all my twenties? Where's all my millennials? Where's all my like digital people? Yeah. Yeah, come on. You hear all these stories about the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. God's about to be the God of your generation. I'm prophesying it to you right now. I'm prophesying to the younger generation where all of you right now, and, and, and all of us, all of you Abraham generation, where you at? Come on, where's all my over-50s, over-60s? Come on. Our job now is to make sure that the younger generation hears God and obeys Him. We're not the rule keepers. We're the facilitators of the move of God. We belong to a movement that began 2,000 years ago. The leader of our movement, Jesus, gave His life for this movement. We're here to keep going what He started. And so God is about to become the God of your generation. He's speaking a fresh word. He's speaking something to you today. And those that are still alive of the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob generations, we get some too. Come on, isn't that good? So then verse 7, the Lord said, I've surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and heard their cry. Listen, some of you have been crying out to God. I want to tell you today, God has heard your cry. He has heard your sorrow. He has heard you cry in the middle of the night. Just because he has delayed doesn't mean it's denial. What God is doing something on the inside of you right now. God has taken you to where you are because he has set you up for a moment like this. Am I going to prophesy to you and say to you today, life is going to get easy? No. Listen, life is not easy, but it's, I'm telling you, it's a lot better with Jesus. Because I'm telling you, his word trumps my situation. And what we really need is a God said moment. That's right. The reason we're not giving is because God didn't, well, I don't know, God didn't say. Yes, he did say. You've got to get it convinced of you. Well, my wife, my wife this, my spouse this. No, God wants to do a work in you. Become the man, become the woman God designed you to be, created you to be. Well, I don't have a spouse yet. Okay, well then become the woman that he's willing to lay his life down for. That's right. Become the man that she's willing to do whatever, whatever it takes to get you. Are you with me now? Yes, yeah. See, we need a word from the Lord, but we're struggling over the word, word of the Lord. I was in a coffee shop recently, we were down a car, I was... Getting a lot of rides everywhere. I called, uh, or I texted my daughter. Excuse me. We don't call daughters. We text. <laughs> I texted her, said, so I need a ride. And you picked up at Starbucks coffee. I need a ride to my next appointment. Can you get me there? She texts back, yes. She's on her way. I texted her, said, hey, I'm in Starbucks. What what, con- what coffee do you want? I'll buy you whatever coffee you want. I didn't say I'd buy her a cheeseburger. Didn't say chicken and fries. Didn't say anything else. I said, no, a coffee. Whatever coffee you want. She First said no, don't bother. I said no, I want to do this for you. It's my expressed will. It's my text that I'm giving to you right now. That I want to get you a coffee. So, so she said she could have said I'll pay for it myself. I don't deserve it. I'm not sure, Dad. No, she said I want you know like a, a grande ice caramel doohickey thingamabobits, um like 18 words in it, you know. <clears throat> And so we go, and, and so she's, she, uh, I go, to the, go get the coffee. I take it to her. I, I, I give it to her in the car. She drops me off. I get home that night. We're talking in the in kitchen. I says, baby, Chris, I said, you, um, you gave me a great illustration about God today. She goes, really? I says, yeah. I says, as your father, it was my expressed will that I give you a coffee. The text clearly said it. And so all you needed to do was receive what I've already given you, what I've already wanted for you. There are things in the text that God already has for you. Right. He has already given to you. You need to receive what clearly the word of the Lord is for you. That's right. So I said, what, I got a revelation about God. When we receive his text for his text purpose and who he is, it's already ours. That's right. And she goes, Dad, that's good. So she sits, she sits back in it kitchen and on a counter. She says, Dad, can I have $1,000? <laughs> That's what she said. I says, I don't remember sending you a text that I was going to give you $1,000. <laughs> I said, I gave you a coffee. My text said coffee. Now, you can go ahead and ask for the $1,000, but I made it clear what my text meant and what my expressed will is. See, what God's expressed will is for your life, you need to receive. And we need a word from heaven. That's what we need, because his word trumps my situation. His word trumps where I'm at right now. Right, See, when you meet Jesus Christ, you, he gives you all the power, and it's on the inside of you. How many of y'all have a, have a, have a cell phone, iPhone, some, some kind of phone? Yeah, most of y'all. How many of you know, like when you receive a phone, it, it, it does all kinds of things. You know what I'm talking about? But most of us only call or text, right? But there's all these other apps in there. All the power is in this phone to do all kinds of things. When we got our first iPhone, we got ourselves an iPhone, an iPad, and a MacBook Pro. We, were, we had the trifecta going on. The problem was we didn't know how to use any of them. So we made ourselves an appointment at the Genius Bar, the Apple Bar. It, it, it's for computers, not alcohol. So we we took our little iPhone and our iPad and everything. We went and we sat at the Apple bar. person beside me couldn't even turn their phone on. So said, let me help you with that. That's right. Mm-hmm. Until Mr. Genius came over and started the class. And then Mr. Genius says, okay, turn on the phone. Got that. This is how you start working the phone. I mean, it took like five minutes. And I'm lost. I'm like, I'm like, what? Huh? What? What do you mean? You mean it can do that? You mean you could talk into it and, and print it out there on the screen? That was like a new invention. Come on, somebody. See, the same thing is true about you and Jesus. When you come to Jesus, he he downloads all of his power and all of his apps inside of you. The problem is you don't know how to use them. That's why you need a a local church. That's That's why you need a church. You need a people to help you unlock all the apps on your phone. Are you with me? See, that's what happens. That's why we want you to get to connection class and get in a group and get serving and doing all those things. Because there's apps inside of you that we're trying to get out of you. And some people are like, I, I just want to make a phone call and text. That's all I want to do. No, learn the apps. Come on, learn. Let's glean. Let's grow. Is there anybody, any couples in the house that like one another, getting married, you're engaged or you're or married or anything like that? Any, any couples in the house that like one another? You, you raised your hand first. Stand up. You, do you like, you guys married? You're married. Wow, that's pretty good. What's your name? Richard, <laughs> I knew I liked him. <laughs> I you have a great name. What's your name? Stacy. Okay, you guys like one another, right? Okay. I mean, loves one. Don't sit. Don't, no, no. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I mean, loves one thing. You got to love one another. But when you like one another, you go to a whole new level. My wife just uh, just recently. My wife said, "You know, I like you." Took twenty five years. She goes, "I like you." She liked me before that. <laughs> but every now and then. <laughs> so, um, well, let me tell you, Richard. If I said to you, Richard, let me tell you something. Um, I like you. You're a great guy. I like hanging with you. I like talking with you. I like being with you. Um, man, I like everything about you. You were just so cool, so awesome, so great. Okay, you're the introvert. That's Jesus. Well, trust me, Richard. We know it's Jesus. Okay, we're good. Yeah, I'll just mess with you. But, Richard, I like you. But I'm going to tell you something. That wife of your Stacy, I don't have any use for her. I don't have any use for her. Unless she's doing something for me, like baking some bread or cookies or doing something for me or cleaning up after me. I tell you what, I don't I don't really want to be around her. Um, but I like you. I want to be with you. I just really don't want to be with her unless I have to. Unless she's around the house, I'll be with her if that's what I have to do every so often. How many times would I be invited to your house? Pretty odd. Awesome. You'd invite me even if I didn't like her? Wow, that's pretty special. Okay, that's pretty awesome. So you wouldn't mind me, like, you, would you be okay with that? You'd pray for him. Okay, very good. Very good. So, so you say, it would be okay if I'd come around, okay? But, but I, I, I'm looking at you and saying, I don't have any use for that woman. I don't even like her. You're still good with that? No, I just said, I don't like her. I never will. I'm telling you that right now. No, you don't understand. I ain't never going to like her. You love her so much. I'm going to have to learn to like her. There it is. I'm going to need to learn to like her. You got it? Very good. Let's give them a big hand. Thank you very much. They like one. Other. very good. Now, Richard's much nicer than Jesus, let me tell you that right now. But let me tell you what happens all the time. We meet Jesus, and we like him. I want to be with him. I want to hang out with Jesus. I love Jesus. I want every word from him. But what we do is we look at his church, and we say, I have no use for the church. Now Jesus will say, you can still come around. Jesus will say, you can still come be with me. You can still say, you know, come, I'm going to pray for you. But how many of you know, I'm I'm not getting the blessing of the whole relationship here. See, many of us do that with God and his church. We say, I like Jesus, but I don't want his church. And God, we come as a a package. Jesus and the church are are one. The bridegroom and and, and the bride. Are you with me? And so Moses has this moment with God, and God gives him an assignment. See, when you get with God, your problems get small and he gets big. Your story gets smaller and his gets bigger. God is writing a story in Arab, Alabama. God's saying, do you want to be a part of the story? That's what he's saying right now. But the problem is, is we have excuses. How many of y'all can relate to excuses? How many of you know we have struggles? Yeah, we have lots of struggles. Come on. We have lots of struggles going on in our life. Let me tell you, Moses' struggle. The first one he said is, who am I? Who am I? Who am I that that you'd want me to participate in your holy church? Who am I that you would want me to participate in what you're doing in Arab, Alabama? Who am I that you would want me to lead a group? Who am I that you would want me to be on a team? Who am I that you would want me to go to a connection class? You know, God's never going to answer that question. He's just going to tell you to do it. Because it's not based on you, it's based on Him. That's the most. Who am I? Then He says... Are they going to listen? Who are you, God, that they're going to listen to you? How many of you have people in your life right now that you've already determined that, that, that you've written them off because they're not going to listen to God? We all have them. And we say, "God, who are you?" And God says, "I am." That I am. And then they say, then we say in our struggles the same thing Moses says in chapter 4. Moses goes on to say, "I can't speak well." I, I, I lack confidence. I, I don't know what to do. And, and again, God says, You're the one I called. You're the one my, my son died for. You're the one I want. And I want you to deliver. I want you to go forward and deliver. And heroes of the faith have the same common denominator He is, He will. So therefore, I'm just going to obey God and let him take care of the rest. See, many of us, we conceive an idea. We just have a difficulty with delivery. See, how many of you all know that conception is easy? Delivery is difficult. No, conception is easy. (laughs) Actually, it's kind of fun. (laughs) But delivery is difficult. That's why you need faith. Because in the delivery of what God has put inside of you, you're going to want to give up. Come on, ladies, am I speaking to you? How many of you ladies out there said halfway through delivery, I want to give up? Come on. I'm done with this. How many of you know you ain't done with it until you're done with it? Am I right? But what we need to realize is what God's doing. Stop trying to feel your way into commitment and commit your way into feeling. There you go. We're trying to feel it so we'll commit. And what God's saying, is, just go ahead and commit and then you'll feel it later. That's, right, amen. That's, right. That's what he's doing right now.